0: Hey, thanks for downloading and listening to the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. We'd love to stay connected on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or TikTok at NLC Downtown. We have devotionals, audio from our weekend messages, conversations about big topics and culture today, and lots of options for you to become a disciple of Jesus. We aren't just a Sunday church. We want to be here for you Monday through Saturday too. Looking forward to getting to know you better. My name is Neil. Glad you guys are here. Welcome, uh, welcome. We actually did. Some of you guys were here for the uh, the 9:30, and I'm so sorry about that. But uh, we had it's all right. You came back. Some of you guys are are back. Um, we're going to talk about something. We're in this essential series. We're gonna. We'll. we'll I'll just kind of recap here. There's a lot of things that we focused on at the beginning of the year. Most of us, when we look at New Year's resolutions, we typically find the things that are the physical things that we need to work on. But we forget that we're not just physical beings. We are spiritual. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, one of the most common questions that we get as a pastor, as, as like, somebody who works at a church or somebody in ministry, there is one type of question that we get from people overwhelmingly more than any other. I don't know if you know what it is, but it's the topic that we're going to talk about today, and we want to hit this one. It is, what is God's plan for my life? How can I know what direction I'm supposed to go? How, how, how am I supposed to navigate through life and do what God has planned for me? This is overwhelmingly the majority of the questions we get because everybody's different. You have skills, you have talents, you have abilities that God has only given you. He's given you an area to do it in. You're try, we're trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure it out. So, we asked you guys on social media. We asked on Instagram and Facebook just this past week. It was Thursday? I don't know. Every Rams. I'm so sorry. I do it with you every time. We're like, what day was it? Rams is like, stop asking me. We put it out on social media and asked you guys. This message is based off of the questions that you guys asked. So, here are some of those. I'm going to read a bunch of these. You guys, you ready? Um, one of, somebody said, how can we know for sure? Like, when it comes to direction and purpose in my life, how can we know for sure, especially when life is difficult? Which is a great way to say it because when we're in distress, we usually don't make the right decision. I know I don't. How do we achieve where we gain wisdom to know if the direction we're going in life is God's purpose or is it our own desires? That's a good question. So, another one says that, like, when we're called to, we know that we're called to serve other people, but when it comes to the topic of prayer and direction, why is it that serving other people can be emotionally heavy or painful at times? It's a great question. And the last one is, how do we keep from confusing human impulse from heavenly calling? You see what is though? The majority of the questions come in on this, like, how do I, because we don't want to get like, you know, years down the road and go, man, I I thought I was following God, but I was just following what I wanted. How do we, how do we make sure that we're actually doing what God wants us to do? So we are going to hit on that, and I'm going to do my best to answer this question. We are going to end service, and we're going to take communion together. We do it every weekend. We have it at the back of the room in the response time. But we're going to all take communion together. A couple things about communion. You don't have to be a member of this church to take communion here. The Bible does say that you need to check your heart. You need to approach communion in a worthy manner, making sure that we, we are, we're right with God in that. So we'll do that in a little bit. Um, a lot of us, we do t- tend to make decisions based off of physical stuff, what we're going to do at the beginning of the year. Those are diets, those are you know workouts, couch to 5K, whatever those things are. I don't know what they are, but if we only focus on the physical essentials, we are going to be lacking. Our life will be lacking. So I'm going to show you this really quick so you guys know the way that God built us. First Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The decisions that we make in our life, we, we, sometimes we don't realize this because we focus on a lot of other things. You're, you know, you guys know what your soul is. Your soul is three things. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. But what we do spiritually, the spiritual side of our lives, will affect the rest of our life. Our spirit will affect what we do in the rest of 2022, um, and Blake actually talked about that, I think, two, two weeks ago, and it was amazing. A few of the essentials are, are these things, and they are the big essentials, and we're going to talk about those a little bit, is our relationship with God. and we talk about heaven, I'll get into this in a minute. But what we end up doing is we think that there are, like that God has this unique plan for your life, but we forget that there are big-ticket items that are essential for all of us as Christ followers, and we've got to get those things right. So think about it like this. Essentials are like a funnel. Think about our life as like a funnel. You've got the big, wide, open top of this funnel, and you're trying to put all these things in there. The big items are the things that are the same for all of us and God's desire and God's will for our life. But what most of us do is we fixate on the small portion of the funnel where the little things are, and we major on the minors. We ask ourselves questions like this and I'm telling you I'm guilty of this. We ask ourselves questions all the time that are not necessarily the right questions to ask, but we do it because we're like god, I need to know what your will is for my life. We say, "Hey, who should I marry?" Now, that's important, but we could also focus on the major things. Is this the right guy? Is that the right girl? Should I invest in a 401k or a 403b? We 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 fixate on these things. Should I go to school there? Should I stay in this job? Should I buy? Should I rent? Should I invest in Bitcoin? What is an NFT? It's a non-fungible token. Don't worry about it. How do I get into that? Listen, if you really want to get into a digital wallet, what is a digital wallet? It's based off of something called blockchain, which is unbreakable code. We don't need to get into that. You see what I'm saying? Like We absolutely fixate on an NFT, and I want one, more than anything else, but that's not the right questions that we should be asking. When we're talking about the direction for our life, we need to focus on the big things, the main essentials. The essentials are the big thing in the funnel that are God's will for our life. Now I'm going to hit on a couple things and I'm not going to approach this the way you think I am, which is is great. We are going to look at two of the most obscure sections of scripture that you could ever possibly stack into a message like this. And I'm going to come at this from a different angle. So I hope you're ready for this. Buckle up. This will be good. There are essentials that are God's will for our life. When we get fixated on the details alone, I can say this, you're trying to get an answer on these little details, but the more we fixate on that detail and we take our eye off the bigger things, you're not going to get the answer to that little, tiny, minor thing, even though it seems like a major thing, until we get the major things right. You're not gonna get an answer to those things by fixating on those things. What we need to do is we need to back up and go upstream a little bit to the source. And a lot of times we don't do this. So the reason why I'm going to tell you these two things, I have two things that we're going to tell you. They're very simple. I'm going to tell you these two because I have a mentor in my life and in Gina's life who coming up on now 30 years, this man has been speaking into our lives. He was my wife's student pastor. He is our Russellville campus pastor. His name is Mark Pagley. Pastor Mark is as big as like a, like a WWE wrestler. He's played professional ball. He's got His biceps are bigger than my quads. He's, he's incredibly strong. And he's one of the kindest, most compassionate people I've ever been around. And he is a close talker and he doesn't care. Because he gets right up in your business and he starts asking you stuff. And I have had some of the worst moments of my life where I have called him I was working in the steel industry for seven years. I was like, I need to get out of this job. And I was fixating on this thing. I was like, Mark, please, you got to help me out. Like, I'm begging him. I'm like, you got to help me. He listens to me rant for an hour. And then he he goes, Neil. It's the way that he talks. He goes, what about, how's your relationship with the king? I was like, that's not, I'm in the steel industry. Like, I need to get out of this job. He's like, what about the king? Like, this is, I don't think you're not hearing me on this. He would always come back to that. How's your relationship with God? And this is not a cliche statement. He wanted to know, am I in step with God? I was, literally, I I worked at at a dump, at a city dump for a year and a half. I was surrounded by garbage and I could not wait to get out. Trying to start a company, I was trying to do all these other things, and I'm calling him. I'm, I'm just belly aching. I'm moaning. I'm like, God, what is? You got to help me with this. He goes, Neil, don't forget about heaven. I'm like, I know, I know, I got to think about heaven. But he, the reason why he told me these things, these two things that I'm going to tell you, is because I took my eye off the ball and I started fixating on the little things and I've forgotten the big things. So I'm going to hit on those big things. You guys ready for this? These two will help you. Both of these things will help you. They're not what you. Would, Because when we fix it on the little things, what happens is, that's when we get anxious. That's when we get depressed. That's when we get bored with life, and we start asking all these other questions. So the first one is this, respond to God immediately. We try and teach our kids this all the time. We say, delayed obedience is disobedience. My gosh, how many times have you tried telling your kids to do something, and they do it hours, days, weeks, months later, and they're like, look, I finally did it. You're like, that is not obedience. That is not it. Respond to God immediately. We were created for a relationship. What a lot of us have done, I have done this myself, I have distilled my relationship with God down to a true-false pop quiz, do, do I believe that, that Jesus died? Yes, for my sins? Yes, true. Do I believe that God raised him from the dead? Yes, that's true. Do I believe that he he walked on water? Yep, true. What we do is we we check all these boxes. That is not a relationship. God sent Jesus so we can have a relationship. And this is different. Coach Fitzhill, he said this. He talked about it. He, he talked on Friday. At, we call it a fasting Friday. He's on Friday this week. He said things. He goes, listen, this year... I'm going to focus on my relationship with God. I want it to be the best it has ever been. And he said a couple things. I took notes on this. He said, I'm going to go somewhere with God that I've never been before. He said, I want to, I want to go further down the road. I want to know God's voice better. And I'm going to delight in his word. That is, that is someone who is concerned about the relationship, not just saying, is this true or is this false? Anybody can do that. That's factual. God wants a relationship. So God isn't dealing with us now so that we will eventually get it right with him later. He is dealing with us now so we can get it right now. We could be wasting time. God has plans for us. The time that we spend is not our own. That is not in our notes, but you should write that down. The time that you and I spend is not your own. It's not mine. God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and we could be wasting the time that God has given us on this earth to do something that impacts heaven. So, this is the scripture that we're going to read. This is in Acts twenty-four. We're going to read it's two. It's two uh, verses. You guys know me. I, I want to get into this and figure out context. I want to get in this and figure out what was happening historically and then how can we learn from this. So this is not random. This is in the Bible, which means we can learn something from it. There are some times that you're like reading through the Bible, like what does that have to do? Just spend some time with it and work on it. There are going to be some names in here that you will not recognize. We will explain all of that. I'll tell you what it's doing and we're going to figure out how we can apply this to our life. But this is Acts chapter 24, verse 24 through 25. I'm smiling because I can't wait to tell you about this. And this is amazing. So it says, several days later... Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, these are both real names that are in the Bible, who was Jewish. He, who's Felix, sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. We leave that up there for a second. So what is happening at this section of Scripture? This is in the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul is basically on trial. He's been held for weeks He's basically in jail and he is coming in front of, which is, is, is like an inquisition. People are quizzing him. He is under fire. It's a legal battle because he is defending the faith in front of people who were, they're, they're supposed to be men and women of the faith and they are attacking him. Why? Because he's preaching Jesus. And so he is under fire. This has been going on for weeks. In jail, standing in front of this group of people. Back in jail, standing in front of this group of people. So the person who is in charge of this is Felix. That, you're like, is that this is a real name? This is not a, it's not a hyphenated name. This is not his, at, his handle. His not Felix. His name is Felix. Felix is a bad, bad man. Felix uh, there, there's one Bible historian who said that he, he, did, he wasn't a, um, a governor, although he was close. He definitely wasn't Caesar, but he wasn't like a nobody. He's somewhere near a governorship. He oversaw a lot of people and has killed thousands of Jewish people. He is a bad, evil man. It's described as he has the soul of a slave who is bitter, but he has the position of someone in power. He's bad. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. You do not want that guy to be checking your taxes, okay? This is a bad guy. So it says, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. Where did they come? They came to this meeting, and he brought his wife, Drusilla. Who is she? At the time of this scripture, she's about 19, almost turning 20 years old. This is her third marriage. She's beautiful, this is uh, Felix has basically coerced her. It's actually, if, if you really study this out, what Felix did is he hired a magician to come and put a spell or a curse or a like a, a a spell on her to convince her to leave her husband and come over and be with him. They are not technically married at this point. She is still married to someone else, but she is posing as Felix's wife. She knew and heard the gospel when she was sixteen. So they came together, says, remember, says she was Jewish. And he says, he sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. Very interesting. They do not have faith in Christ Jesus. They don't even have faith. You and I, we talk about faith. What does that actually mean? This is a really simple way. You have faith in the chair that you were seated in right now. How do I know that? If you didn't, you wouldn't be sitting in there. You'd be standing up. That's that. It's that clear, that plain. The faith in Jesus is that God has created a place for us where we get to rule and reign alongside Him and be in heaven for all eternity. And the only way to God is through Jesus, and that is faith. Now, He's talking specifically about faith, and they don't have it. They are mildly spiritually curious. They're one, it's kind of like, Hey, dance for me, monkey. Come and get in, get here and dance. Like, do whatever. They, they're wanting to make fun of this process. Okay, That's the first. You guys with me? You tracking with me? This is, a, this is a big deal. There's a lot of people watching this. Let's look at verse 25. It says, As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Huge. Those three are important. Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Okay, interesting. Um, Paul talks about three things. He immediately talks about three things righteousness. What is righteousness? Very, very simply, is that righteousness is set on God's holy standard. None of us, anybody in here perfect? The only person that could stand before God is someone who has not sinned. Because none of us have done that. We can't even stand in the presence of God without Jesus. He's the one who took our place. Jesus took our place. He was our substitute. Don't forget that. Jesus was our substitute. We would not be able to stand in front of a holy God. God very very he he's always had standards. He's unmovable on those standards. We have to move and we've got to move our life toward Jesus. So Jesus didn't die to make God nicer. If you think about righteousness, think about this. A lot of times what we think is, we think, man, in the Old Testament, God was kind of mean. He was like really angry all the time. But then Jesus came, he went to the cross, and now it's like God is nicer. No, that is not how this works. We think that it's like, okay, so growing up, my parents, my parents growing up were very tough on me. But then all of a sudden, I have kids, Gene and I, and my, my, my kids are like, Grandma and Grandpa are nice. I'm like, bro, hang on a minute. Now, you don't understand. I don't know who these people are, but growing up, they were very difficult. Jesus did not come to the cross just so that God would be nicer. Are you guys track it with me? Mom and Dad, I know you're not watching, but sorry about that. It's just the truth, okay? This is really important. Jesus was our substitute. He took our place, and the judgment for our sins were placed on him. Now, he also talked about self-control. Felix and Drusilla had none. What do you think, why do you think Paul is saying these things? The Holy Spirit is strong and at work in Paul. He was continually being filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit knew what he was doing. And speaking through Paul, he talks about righteousness. First, none of them could stand up. Second, he's talking about self-control. They don't have any of it. And then he talks about the judgment that is to come. So the response, which is amazing, is Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. Why was Felix afraid? The Holy Spirit convicted him. The Holy Spirit convicted Felix and out of fear... He said, nope, that's enough for now. You know, you know what happens when, so when, like when pastors or preachers talk or whatever, we don't know how to finish without praying. This is one of the very first recorded times in history where someone gives a message about Jesus, and somebody goes, nope, that's all for now, thank you. You can go, you can go away. You can come back whenever. But I think I'm done for now. The Holy Spirit convicted him. I had a, uh, there's a group of people, there's a, a, a big group of people, none of them are Christians, and I had this chance to actually talk to them about Scripture, and I got to the end of it. You know, they didn't know I was a pastor. I was telling them about the Word of God and, and, and how, how Jesus died for them. I get to the end of this, and I'm not joking. I got to the end of it, and I didn't know how to end without praying. And they didn't know I was a pastor, and they're just staring at me. And it was like, I don't know how to end this. Um, hey, you know, so... There's, there's this book that says, it's like they don't even know I'm talking about Scripture. It's really, really difficult, but Felix shuts this down. He's like, nope, that's it. What he does is he said, I'll send for you at a time when it is convenient. That is a problem. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, we need to respond, and we need to respond immediately. Yeah. A lot of us, myself included, what we do is we pray and beg and ask God for direction, and when He speaks, we don't respond Listen, the, the Holy Spirit is not someone who just has spoken. The Holy Spirit is speaking and will continue to speak. It's whether or not we are willing to listen to what he is saying. How do you desensitize yourself to that? You stop responding when God speaks. That noise, it just, like, it's, it's gone. I don't even hear it anymore. I don't hear, I don't hear what God is saying. He's speaking. I promise you he is. It says, when we find it convenient, I will send for you. A convenient faith... Becomes no faith at all. We cannot have a convenient faith. We cannot. If you want to know, how do I find out what the purpose and direction for my life is from God? Respond when God speaks to you and do it immediately. I know God, you know, I want to do this, but my career's taken off. God, I'm trying to raise kids right now. I know you're saying I need to do this, but I'm trying to raise a family right now. We need to respond immediately. Be very, very sensitive to this. So what's crazy about this is, and and this you won't find this in scripture, but I'll tell you this. Bible theologians and historians agree that Drusilla died at 20 years old. A volcanic eruption killed her. That's this is not a hellfire and a brimstone. I'm not, this is not a threat right now. But, but that's pretty, that that's pretty intense. I'm not I'm not I'm not going down that road, okay? I know you think no, you are Neil. I'm not. I just I was just telling you something historically accurate. All right, history tells us that she she had a very bad ending. We can't do it when it's convenient. Respond when God convicts us. That's the first one. Respond when God convicts us. When He's talking, we gotta respond and do it immediately. The second thing is, and you're gonna you're gonna go. I don't know. I don't know. Just be patient with me. Don't forget about heaven. This one is important because the Apostle Paul, we'll come back to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 and 5. This is the Living Bible. It says, For we know that when this tent we live in now is taken down... Just pause on that for a second. Can we look at that? That is one of the weirdest ways to say that when your body is done. He literally references to your body as a tent. There's another version of this that says, When your tent is folded up... Like when we are very wrinkly and we are done, when your tent is folded up, that's what he's talking about. When we pass away, when we, when we die and we leave these bodies, we will have wonderful new bodies in heaven, homes that will be ours forevermore, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Get ready for this. This is verse five. This is what God has prepared for us. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. We cannot forget about heaven. And I'm just going to just, and you're like, no, Neil, we don't forget about heaven. Let's just talk about this for a second. In the Gospels, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus teaches us about how we we should go around living right. He says, listen, you guys need to love your neighbor. We go, you know what, Jesus, you're right. I'm not doing a great job of this. I need to to work on that. I'm going to work on that. He goes through and he says, listen, this is how you need to walk step in step with your enemies. Okay, God, you know what, you're right. This is how you can practically live. This is how you can walk around and not have unforgiveness in your heart. You're going, man, that is right. But the minute we hear about heaven, we go, man, I hope that's true. Man, I hope that's not just some fantasy. We have a hard time wrapping our head around it so we forget about it. You're going, okay, Neil, this is pretty elementary and basic. No, it is not. And I'm going to explain to you why. Well, a lot of times what we do is we forget that heaven is a perfect place that God has created and he has prepared a place for us. I just want to remind you briefly what heaven is like. There is no need for the sun, for moon, for stars or any other source of light because the only light that will be needed will radiate from God himself. There are no tears. There is no pain. Your knees will not hurt. Your back will not hurt. You got a yes. Got an amen from Michael on that one. There will be no Advil. A lot of us think that when we get to heaven, we're going to float around in a cloud and we're going to drink sweet tea. And I'm telling you, every movie, every TV show has gotten this wrong. Why? Because we cannot wrap our heads around how incredible this is going to be. And listen, please get me on this. You have a purpose and God still has a plan for you in heaven because your boss will be perfect. Your role will be perfect. And the Bible says that he will create a new heaven and a new earth and we are going to live in harmony with him. Please don't forget about heaven. Why do I say that? There's a saying. If you stick around me for any length of time, I'm going to say this and I'll say it over and over and over again. Every day is day one for somebody When we walk around the city of Little Rock, when we drive in our car, when we go to the store, when we're at school, when we're around people who don't know Jesus, it could be day one for them. It could be the moment that they finally say yes to Jesus, that they finally bow their knee to Jesus. It could be the day that healing finally finishes in their body, that they don't walk around in pain anymore, no more discomfort. It could be the day that they stop running from God and come back to him. Every day is day one for somebody. And if we forget that it's not all about us, we will notice the people that are around us. And if you really want to know what your purpose is, what God's plan for your life is, is to help someone around you have a day one. Every day is an opportunity for someone to have one of those days, and I don't want to forget about heaven. Why do I say this? Because I think about me way too much, and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about living and loving, and my lifestyle, showing people, not just telling them, showing people by loving them well who Jesus is. And if, maybe if, you get an opportunity to say something, you can, but earn the right to be heard. Earn the right to speak into somebody's life by the way that we live. So, wow, I'm way off here. Uh, This is for 2 Timothy 4, 6, 7. None of that was in the notes. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 7. This is the Apostle Paul. He actually has a chance to write his own obituary beforehand. He knows that he is about to be martyred by Nero. He knows that it's coming, and he has a chance to write this down. I want to show you something. It says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near." You notice that he doesn't say, he says that the time for my departure is near. He doesn't talk about death, doesn't talk about mortality, doesn't talk about any of that. He says the time for my departure. The word departure is a transportation term. It is not a term of death. He uses a transportation term because he's literally picking up anchor from one shore and going to another. He knows that that is the destination, And he uses a transportation term, and he goes on, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. This is important. These three things, the reason why we say we need to focus on heaven, and the reason why the Apostle Paul said these things is these will keep us on track with the purpose and plan God has for our lives. The first one is fight the good fight. In 2022, we are going to get in some fights. It's just going to happen. Just make sure that they're the right ones. Make sure it's a good fight. A lot of us, we we swing at the wrong things. If you're going to take a swing at something this year, make sure it's the right thing. A lot of us get so wrapped up in all the extra stuff that's going on. Listen, if you want to know what is worth fighting for, let's fight for orphans. Let's fight for kids who are in foster care. Let's fight for the widows. Let's fight for the people who cannot provide for themselves, who don't have more than the clothes that are on their back. Let's fight for the people that have been... Uh, pushed aside simply because of the color of their skin, let's fight for those people. Let's be very, very careful that if we are going to pick a fight, and I believe we should fight the good fight, make sure that we're doing it for people, not against people. Can we do that? That's the first thing. Let's fight the good fight. Second thing is finish the course or finish the race. There's two different ways to say this. The way I look at this is that we do have a race to run, but there is a course that God has mapped out for us, and along the way there are mile markers. Dwayne runs constantly. Dwayne Clayton has run more than I will ever run. But you know, along the way that there are mile markers out there. So you're looking ahead and you're going, "Oh, and if I got to get to this one, here's where I'm at." I'm on pace. There are things that God has placed out in front of you. One of those is the Word. Please don't abandon the Word. When we talk about when we talk about, "Hey, let's let's finish the course," think about it like like. This is a meal. God has something for you. But also along the way, there are things that God has for us to do. Serve somewhere, volunteer somewhere, get involved. On a Saturday, you can come here at 10 a.m. every single Saturday with Tommy Covington and this entire crew and go serve the city of Little Rock. There are things that we can do along the way. Go on a mission trip, help somebody out, volunteer something, because remember, it's not about us. And then he kept the faith. What does it mean to keep the faith? I'm going to be really, this is simple. It means don't give up. Don't give up, then there cannot be a white flag to our faith. So this is the second very obscure scripture, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this one, because in, in the book of Judges, there are um, a bunch of people, there are three times that this is referred to in scripture. I want you to, everybody look at me really quick for a second. There's a really good chance that you've been hurt in life. There might even be a chance that you were hurt in church. might be a chance that somebody that was close to you hurt you. There are three different instances in Scripture where it says that warriors were selected for battle and they were all left-handed. It's very obscure. It's three times. The first one is found in Judges chapter 20, verse 16. It says, Among all these warriors, there were 700 select left-handers each of whom could sling a stone at a hare without missing. Does that seem wild to you guys? 700 left-handed warriors. There's another time in scripture where it says that three of David's mighty men were handpicked for a mission. All three of them were left-handed. It takes a little bit of work to figure out what this means. God, do you prefer a left-handed person over a right-handed person? Like, what does this mean? This gets really tricky. God, what are you really saying here? Do you have a preference? Is there, are these people more favored? And really what you have to do is you have to dive in here and dig. And you, you, if, once you search this thing out, you'll find out the reason why they were left-handed is because they were no longer right-handed. What that means is they were all injured in battle. They all took a hit. Now, back then, when they signed up for battle, they knew that if they were injured in battle, they had the right to go back home. They had the right to take care of their family. They had the right to leave battle and not have to do it anymore. They all chose to relearn how to fight left-handed better than they ever fought right-handed. They made the choice to not give up. This is why it calls them David's mighty men. They were all injured. They all got hurt. So my challenge to you is this, is if you have been hurt, volunteer differently. Move away from the people that hurt you and make sure that you still stay in the game. Because this is about Jesus. This isn't about that person. There are addictions that you will fight. There are things that will come up against you. There are are relationships that you need to close the door on and never ever look back on. But stay in the fight. Fight differently. Fight smarter. But stay in the fight. Because it's not about us. Remember heaven. And respond to God immediately. If you want to know how to find the direction and purpose that God has for your life. It's those two things. Those are the essentials. Those are the big rocks in this funnel. We fixate on the little things. We need to get these two right. God, I'm going to respond to you. Holy Spirit, when you speak to me, I'm going to respond and I'm going to do it right away and I'm going to make sure that my eyes are on heaven and I remember why you have me here and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep fighting and even if I have to fight different, I'm going to keep fighting.